Welcome to Devils Talking Padres. I'm Dominic Stern, joined by Bobby Murphy. Here to recap the Padres series victory over the St. Louis Cardinals and preview the upcoming series against the Colorado Rockies in Coors Field. The Padres last road trip slash last road series. Bob, Padres took two out of three against the Cardinals and looked really convincing in doing so. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dom. Great to see that Padres series one. Unfortunately, was not able to be a sweep after that grand slam on Thursday, but Overall, great series. I mean, this streak by the by the Padres starting pitching staff has been absolutely amazing. It was about 32 and two-thirds inning shutout or something, almost the longest in franchise and the longest in all of baseball this year. So kudos to the Padres starting rotation. They've been looking great during the winning streak, but yeah, great to see a series win. And this is a huge one coming against a great San Cardinals team. The rotation was the backbone for the five-game winning streak, which tied for the Padres' longest of the season. 31 and two thirds was the longest in major league baseball this year. Second longest in franchise history. It was a great run and it ended on a home run that was on a ball. It was a good pitch from Musgrove. Lars Newbar just turned on and punched down the right center field and it barely cleared the wall. Tough break for sure, but that happens. Other than that, I mean, the Padres played a really, really good series. Clean defensively. They capitalize on the Cardinals mistakes, which is what you're going to have to do against teams like the Cardinals in the playoffs. It's another testament. The Padres are a playoff team. As we're recording this, they have a three and a half game lead over the Brewers for that last spot. They're currently leading the Reds and it's Thursday evening, right about five o'clock Pacific time, as well as the Phillies are beating the Braves one nothing in the bottom of the third. So you'll know what those results are when you're listening to this episode. The Padres just got to keep winning. And if they play like how they did against the Cardinals, they're absolutely going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be the five seed. And I'm glad that the Padres are taking winning into their own hands. And it's not going to come. I mean, it obviously still could, but it's in their own hands right now. And it, hopefully it won't come down to the last game of the season where the Padres will need help to get in. But it looks like that as of now that they could be the number two wild card in the NL and they just keep winning. Then that's their spot to lose. I mean, if they collapse, that'll be absolutely awful with 12 games left. But I don't see it happening because this is a hot team right now. and They're playing great baseball. Before we talk about the good of the series, I did tweet out during that third game that in 2019, the Padres season really started to fall apart in the final game against the Cardinals, in which they were up by three, I believe, ended up blowing that game. Then I believe got swept by the Giants and then miraculously took three to four against the Dodgers to go into the All-Star break. And then after that, it was awful. But the Padres were really starting to build momentum against the Cardinals. And then it collapsed with a chance to sleep them. and it eventually fell apart. And I really hope that wasn't the case with what happened on Thursday. But game number one, the Padres came out and stomped the Cardinals. It was glorious. Jake Cronenworth fought off an inside pitch in the shallow left field. Juan Soto and Manny Machado, who tagged up on a foul out, ended up scoring on the hit. Then Ha Sung Kim hit his second career home run against Adam Wainwright. That is more than any other pitcher he has faced in his major league career. I was at the first one. It was pretty cool. He turned on a pitch, and that's the kind of pitching that Hassan Kim is going to thrive against. It's those slow pitchers that are similar to the ones that he faced in Korea. In the fifth, Machado brought home another run, and Soto did so again in the seventh. But Mike Clevenger had one of his best starts of the year for the Padres. Five and two-thirds, just three hits, two walks struck out three so he didn't miss the bat a lot but he missed the barrels and that's really what mattered nick martinez tim hill luis garcia came in to close out the game 
nice little five nothing shout-out to begin the series. Yeah, and my favorite part of this series, I mean, besides the starting rotation, but two of the three games this series, the Padres were able to score in the first inning, and just getting an early lead has been huge for this Padres team during their winning streak because they've been doing it a lot. And getting an early lead is great, and, of course, it puts them ahead. It gets runs on the board early, and it just makes a statement for the rest of the game. But, yeah, Clevenger looked great, going almost six innings, shut out. The bullpen looks great as well. Nick Martinez inning in a third, perfect. Tim Hill, one perfect inning, and then Luis Garcia. I love two guys on base in the ninth, but was able to strike out too. So bullpen looks great. Clevenger looked amazing. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. Kim's home run and then three RBI singles. So clutch hitting by the Padres, three for seven with runners in scoring position. And yeah, every run except for Kim's home run was just an RBI single. So that was a great overall hitting by the Padres in this game and great pitching performance as well. The Padres had a nice mixture of home runs and driving in runs. And that is what's going to help you win in the playoffs because there's going to be times where you need to hit home runs, but you're also going to have runners on base and you need to be able to capitalize in those situations because getting runners on base doesn't do you any good if you don't hit them in. But Clevenger got the ball rolling in the series and then Blake Snell had the best start of his Padres tenure, I would say. Seven innings, 13 Ks, two walks, and just two hits. He was absolutely phenomenal. 117 pitches, absolute car for this Cardinals lineup, which is right-handed dominant. Edmund, switch hitter, Carlson, switch hitter, Goldschmidt, right-handed, Arnado, right-handed, Pujols, right-handed, Yepes, right-handed, Young, right-handed, Kisner, I believe, is also right-handed, and then Dickerson is left-handed, but he's been one of the better hitters for them. Just carve them. It was an incredible lot. I really wish I was able to watch more of it, but I was in the middle of a meeting, so I couldn't have done so. The Potters were able to just get one run, and it was an unearned run. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. Austin Nola, for the second time this year, drove in the only run in a Potters one nothing win. Yeah, Don, with this game, not much to talk about with the offense. Of course, you just mentioned it. Austin Nola driving in the only run for this Padres team. But yeah, Blake Snell looked absolutely amazing. Six and two-thirds, I believe, no hit. And you mentioned the 13 strikeouts, two walks, only two hits, and he just looked amazing. This was, I agree with you, one of, or probably his best start of the year for the Padres. And in this Padres tenure, he has had a few outings, go six or seven innings, no hit. And he looked amazing, just dominant in this start. And then the bullpen looks great as well. Robert Suarez and then Josh Hader, who Josh Hader has looked like he's been back. He looks really comfortable out there on the mound. He's pitching great. And he looks like he wants to be the Padres closer for the playoffs. So if he keeps pitching like he is right now, he's pitching great baseball, great closing baseball in the ninth inning. And that could be huge for this Padres team to actually have clarity at that position after all of his struggles when he first got here. He's definitely reestablished himself as the Padres closer, which is fantastic because the guys who the Padres were trying at the closer position can now just pitch in the high leverage spots. And for Suarez and Hayter to come in and have efficient innings, I think is huge because you're going to want to use those guys more often than they have been used in the regular season in the playoffs. So the only way they're going to be able to do that effectively is if they go in and they have these 12 pitch outings like they did on Wednesday. So you had now seven innings into that streak. And then Joe Musgrove was really good for his entire start. Really. It's just that one home run that bit him in the butt, five innings, five hits. You want to see that limited a little bit more. One run, two walks, four strikeouts, only through 72 pitches. And after the game, they said he had been dealing with a little bit of a tired arm. So he was pitching on a bit of a pitch count this week. And Musgrove also hasn't done as well getting deeper into the games as he was earlier in the season. So 
I wasn't against pulling him. And Morahone came in. He struggled a little bit. Martinez came in. He struggled a little bit. I don't get what the Potters' obsession is with sometimes trying to bring these guys out for multiple innings when it doesn't make sense. They have a pretty fresh bullpen because of the way the starting pitching rotation has been rolling. And then bringing Morejon back out, it completely cost the Padres. And Martinez didn't look good when he came in. Pierce Johnson, who is completely fresh and has looked good in his return. And then Tim Hill, who has been really, really good for the last month and a half to two months. Those are guys that you need to be bringing in in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, instead of trying to roll Morejon for a second inning. Morejon can be that guy, but you don't want him to do that in a close game against an experienced lineup like the Cardinals. It's unfortunate because the Padres really let this one get away. They absolutely had this one in the bag. And of course, Nick Martinez allowing the grand slam pretty much. I don't want to say blew it for the Padres. I mean, it, it blew it. It was the exact reason because they were able to bring it back within one. Of course, Manny Machado homered in the eighth inning to make it a 5-4 ball game. And then they got totally shut down in the ninth to get the Cardinals to win. But other than that, I mean, the Padres offense did not do much today. Profar did have two hits, home run in the first inning, like I was saying earlier. First inning runs for the Padres have been huge. And he, he had another RBI as well later in the game in the fifth inning. So Profar had a great game on Thursday. Manny Homer to Camposano got an RBI single. But other than that, just miscues by the bullpen. Musgrove, I mean, like you said, didn't go deep into the game. 72 pitches over five innings. But I would have kept him in. He, he wasn't getting worked too hard. And he was pitching fine baseball. I mean, five hits, two walks over five innings, but only one run. He was able to get out of whatever James he had. And then Murray Hone and Martinez totally blew it. But Pierce Johnson, we talked about him last podcast. Good to have him back on the active roster and to have him healthy. And then Tim Hill looks great in the ninth inning as well. But other than that, just... One swing pretty much changed this entire series. I know that's how that's how baseball can be. But one swing, one grand slam kept the Padres from getting the sweep. But other than that, I mean, such a great series for the San Diego Padres overall. They looked great. Huge momentum boost as they play the Rockies up next. But this late in the season, winning this series against this baseball team has to be huge for this ball club. Yeah, absolutely. And for Jerks and Profar to have an impressive showing in the leadoff spot after really struggling for most of this past month and a half, especially ever since the Tatis news came out. I was super impressed with how he performed. Also made a really nice play out on the left. And Profar, if he keeps that ball fair inside the line and it gets past Goldschmidt to end the game, then all of a sudden Profar is probably the tying run on second. And you got Juan Soto up with a chance to tie or even win the game. Those are the spots you want Juan Soto in. He hasn't been great as a San Diego Padre. I don't think anyone's going to argue against that, but... Soto kind of lives for those moments. He's been that guy. He was that guy in the playoffs for the Nationals, and he really hoped that he could be the guy that, assuming the Padres do make the playoffs, he's going to step up in those spots. Almost got the chance, and Paul Goldschmidt, who on the broadcast, the Padres broadcaster were saying is the favorite. He's going to win the MVP. I mean, there's no really doubt about it. As good of a season as Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Mookie Betts are having. Even Austin Riley, it's Paul Goldschmidt. He's been head and shoulders better than those guys. And you kind of got to see it towards the end of the series with his two-hit performance. He's good. Thankfully, the Padres only have to face him six or seven times a year as opposed to 19. So glad he's out of the division. But two out of three against the Cardinals, like you mentioned, is great. You really hope that this didn't kill their so-called momentum going into Colorado because Colorado is a place where the Padres suck every single year and it's where most teams suck every single year because it's just a tough place to play but the Padres 
have everything to play for here. I mean, it's right in front of them. It's the last time in the regular season playing away from Petco Park. Padres in the first series at Coors were swept. And then the next one, they won the opener and then lost the next three. So they're one and six at Coors this year. Hopefully they can at least take two out of three. But do you think the Padres are going to be fine in Coors this weekend? Fine. I mean, I don't want to say fine because what I call Coors for the Padres is that the place where dreams go to die because the Padres always struggle at Coors. And this has just been an awful series where they could, I mean, I don't want to say get swept, but it is Coors. It is very possible. Anything could happen there. And we've seen a lot of disappointing series there in Colorado, but just take two out of three. I mean, obviously it's, you're in Coors. Just don't lose the series this late in the season. And they got the Dodgers after that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week after an off day Monday. So when two out of three here, off day on Monday, get rested up and then get ready to host the Dodgers. So, I mean, I am worried for this series because it's a divisional opponent. It is Colorado and we've all seen what happens there, but take two out of three and there will be no complaints. Three pitchers the Padres got going for them. Shamanaya, Yu Darvish, and Mike Clevenger. Not ideal. Can't really sugarcoat it there. Shamanaya, his second start since re-entering the rotation. Not a good start in Arizona. I'm still optimistic about Shamanaya. I think that his fastball slash sinker with his extension is one of the few pitches that can actually play a little bit in Coors just because it's not super reliant on spin. Yu Darvish... You know, you're thankful he's going to be going in the series. He's not pitching the day game. And then Mike Clevenger in that day game is not ideal. What are your expectations for the pitching starters? For this series, I mean, I know you have faith in Shamanaya. Of course, check out Dom's latest article on EBT on Shamanaya. But his last start against the D-backs, he did look fine. Five innings, three hits, two runs. And both of those runs were on solo home runs. So if you can keep the long ball in, he'll be looking fine. But with Shamanaya, he, I mean, his last six starts where he has actually of course started the game he has allowed at least one home run so he has been susceptible to the long ball this year the Padres have lost three straight of his starts but I'm scared to see him pitching cores if he can turn around great I mean his last few appearances have been against the Dodgers I mean the Royals not not good but he did look fine in his last start against the D-backs in his return to the rotation 12 days in between his starts so after skipping one or two starts of his he is back and he did look good so that has to give him some good Momentum that has to give us some confidence. So that could be huge for this series, but it is Coors and Shamanai who has not been pitching that great lately. So I'm kind of worried for that. You Darvish, I mean, Padres have won five straight starts by him. He just won an NL player of the week. His last two starts, 14 shutout innings, the only three hits, one walk, and 15 strikeouts. Of course, he's been the NL player of the week, but over the, the, the last, I mean, short sample size, of course, but two starts, the best pitcher in baseball, really. He's been looking amazing and there's not much better he could do for the for this Padres team, but he's been looking great out there. I expect him to even in course have a solid start and keep it going. Mike Clevenger, who his last few starts got absolutely rocked, but his last start on Tuesday against the Cardinals, he looked amazing. One of his best starts for the Padres this year. We mentioned it earlier. Five and two thirds shutout, three hits, only three strikeouts, but he looked amazing. So two out of three guys that you don't really want to pitch in this series. However, and you got to keep the other guys for the Dodgers series. Because as of now, I mean, of course, it could change. On ESPN, it says Snell, Musgrove, Manaya. That could definitely change for the Dodgers series. But having Snell and Musgrove in that series will be huge against the Dodgers. And I'd much rather have them pitch at home against LA than in Coors. Wouldn't be surprised if they pushed Darvish up a day for the Dodgers. But also in the back of Bob Melvin's mind is he's got to get the Potters in the playoffs. But... You also want to be able to line themselves up for that first wildcard game, first two 
potentially even three on Friday after Wednesday, October 5th, the wildcard series would start on the 7th. So that's got to be at the back of his mind, but not something he needs to be concerned with just yet because you got to get there first. As for the Colorado Rockies, three guys, they're going to be rolling out on Friday. It's going to be Ryan Feltner, his 6.05 ERA in 80 innings. Chad Cool on Saturday is 5.48 ERA in 128 innings. And Kyle Freeland in his 4.38 ERA in 166 innings. The thing about all those guys, their fielder independent pitching is lower than their ERA. So theoretically, they're due for some regression towards the mean, which they should be better than those ERAs would say. A lot of people don't really like take ERA that much into account, but these three starters for the Rockies have all struggled, but according to fielder independent pitching, they've pitched better than the numbers may suggest. And for these guys, each, each of them have had a few starts against the Potters this year. Brian Feldner on the year 6.05 ERA, of course, pitching at course, it will not help that at all. But two starts against the Padres, his last one back on August 2nd, three and two thirds, eight hits, three three runs. He got hit pretty hard. And then his start back in June, he looked great. Six innings, two hits, one run, which was just on a home run. So one of his starts against the Padres have been fine. The other one, he got rocked. So hopefully the Padres can make that relate to his second start. And Chad Cool, 5.48 ERA on the year. His last two starts, Two at home, two on the road. He has not been looking good at all. 7.20 ERA in the month of September. His starts against the Padres this year have not gone well at all. Back at the beginning of August, five innings, eight hits, nine runs, and three home runs. And that was at Petco as well. So the Padres hit him well at Petco, so hopefully they can do it again in Coors. His other start against the Padres, four and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs, four walks, and then four and a third, eight hits, five runs. So he's just been getting hit really hard by this Padres lineup. Two of those three games have been at Petco, so hopefully the Padres can keep that going as well on him. And then Kyle Freeland, easily the best of these three pitchers, 4.38 ERA on the year. His last few starts, he's been looking amazing. Four starts in September, 1.48 ERA with a six innings and two-thirds shutout performance, and then five and two-thirds and a six inning, both one earned run in each of those. So he's been looking really good lately. Two of the starts at home and then two of them on the road. So little bit half and half there so not all of those at cords but against the Padres he has been looking fine this year in his last start early August five and two thirds two runs and then before that at home to get hit a little bit harder but of course it was at Coors four innings six hits and five runs and then just earlier in the year earlier in the year pitching to the sixth and seventh two runs and four runs in those games so Padres have seen Freeland four times this year easily the most and probably the most among any pitcher they face this year so a lot of familiarity with Kyle Freeland in this Padres lineup. So hopefully the Padres lineup will be able to adjust and get some early runs on him. I believe his last start was on my birthday, right? Or uh, the last start in Coors. No, he pitched up the day after your birthday on uh, uh, 14th. Coors. There you go. But Freeland did start that one game at Petco in which the Rockies won that five-game series is the day after Soto, Drury, and Bell all made their debuts. The Potters have seen these guys. I mean, I think that you'd hope they know what to do against them, but we've also seen instances where that hasn't been the case. And glad you mentioned that Freeland had been pitching well. He's been a guy who's had a very up-and-down career. I believe finished fifth in Scion voting back in 2017. Like He's a good pitcher, doesn't throw hard, doesn't have great stuff, but he knows what to do with it. And pitching in court has kind of been a weird thing for him. So we'll see how the Padres are able to do against those three guys. And 
like you mentioned, last time the Padres faced the Rockies was early August. It's been a month and a half. So just going to go over the rest of their positional players and their bullpen. Daniel Bard's still the closer. He's still holding on strong. 1.95 ERA and 55 in a third innings. 24 walks, 61 strikeouts. He's been really good. Carlos Estevez has been another one of their good relievers. 3.44 ERA with 55 innings. Alex Colomay is in their bullpen, but he's on the bereavement list. I imagine he'll be active. 5.2 ERA with 45 innings. Robert Stevenson, 6.04 ERA. Julius Chassin, 7.61 ERA. They've got some names out there, but one name that we need to mention is Denelson Lomet. Of course, former Padre. 16 relief appearances, 17 innings. He's got a 3.18 ERA with 25 strikeouts. He's been a good pitcher for the Rockies, and don't be surprised if he's going to be pitching in some high-level situations for them. And yeah, overall, not the best bullpen. Of course, you did mention Daniel Bard, who has been very good this year, 32 saves on the year, and then Estevez, 13 holds. But it's Nelson Lamette. I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, he pitches this series. And of course, I would love to see the Padres rock him and hit him hard. But respect to Lamette, he has been looking a lot better in Colorado. And of course, that has to be hard pitching in Coors. But the pitching staff is doing a great job. The coaches are doing a great job at, with him so far. And I'm glad he's been able to turn it around and hopefully he can stay healthy for them. As for the lineup for the Rockies, you're going to see a lot of the familiar faces. Currently, Jose Iglesias on the injured list. He's been playing really well for them. So the Padres are going to catch a little bit of a break there. I hope Iglesias can remain healthy. Obviously, not a whole lot of season left, but behind the plate, Elias Diaz and Brian Servin. Those two guys have been splitting the catching for them. CJ Crone still having a good year. 813 OPS, 114 OPS+. plus. Brendan Rodgers been having an okay year. He's got a 91 OPS plus. Ryan McMahon, 97 OPS plus. Jonathan Daza, 98. Randall Richard, 91. Charlie Blackman, 93. Connor Joe, 89. And Chris Bryant still on the injured list. Had a very, very weird year. This lineup is not very good, but they're much better at course. And that's what you obviously got to be careful with. And with this lineup, five guys with double-digit home runs. Of course, you mentioned CJ Crone, who has 29 on the year, 101 RBIs, and you said 813 OPS. So he's easily been their best hitter. Charlie Blackman has been one of their best hitters in his tenure with the Rockies. So he's been one of their mainstays in the outfield or designated hitter where he's been most of this year. But yeah, Randall Grucco, Brandon Rogers, McMahon have all been the best guys in this lineup and the guys who have been the most consistent overall. The rest of this lineup is pretty weak. I know the guys at the top are not even star hitters, really, except for Crone, who's easily having the best year, pretty much leading their team and everything except for on base percentage. But at Coors, it will be scary. But the Potters pitching staff against this lineup should be able to do fine, even in Coors. I, I think the Potters should be able to take two or three, but I also would not be shocked if they only win one, even get swept at Coors, because that's just the way things have been going. But the Potters need to be the more motivated team, and they can't dwell on the loss. On Thursday, they're going to get in there tonight. They're going to have a full day to recover. Really hope they can put together a good performance in the course. You got anything else you want to add? Oh, yeah, just got to take two out of three here and just keep the momentum going because this team is hot. That's going to wrap up this episode of Devils Talking Padres. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to follow or subscribe to Devils Talking Padres on your preferred podcast platform. That way you know when we release our series recap and preview on Sunday evening. You can find Bobby on Twitter at BobbyMurphy2000. You can find me on Twitter at DMStern19. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Go Padres.